people look at our lives and uh, we, we represent something. And what are we representing? Are we representing Jesus? Are we living out our lives with the, with the fruit of the Spirit being demonstrated where people can look at us and say, wow, there's something unique and something different about that person. I, I like that line. I, I want you to thrive where God has placed you. Maybe God has placed you in a hard place right now. Maybe life is really difficult. Maybe it's really, really hard. Well, through the power of the Spirit, God can help us to, to thrive and to uh, see Him work in a mighty and powerful way. So, um, why a series on the fruit of the Spirit? You know, why, why should we do this? Let me just point out a couple of things. First of all, this is, it, it's kind of a season of fruit. You know, we're beyond the winter and now we're into the season of fruit. I mean, when you look at this, you know, beyond uh, the, the winter months, I mean, fruit just, just looks good. They look healthy. I mean, we've got bananas here. I got, we got some apples here. And we got some strawberries here, some plums here. I mean, when you look at fruit, doesn't it just look good? Doesn't it look healthy? I, I, I want to look good. I, I want to be healthy. I, I want to be living what God is doing on the inside of me as, a, as an example, as a testimony. So it's kind of a season of fruit. The second reason why I think this uh, series is appropriate is because a, a summer schedule. You know, there's nine qualities or nine virtues that we're going to look at in the fruit of the Spirit. And you're going to be in and out, and I'm going to be in and out. We're all going to be in and out as we kind of walk through this. But what we can do is we can kind of look at each fruit, if you will, or, or each quality of fruit, if you will. And, and we can look at them and go, you know what, I, I can follow this. And if I'm not here, I can get online and I can uh, follow the, the teaching and the preaching online. But, but if I miss one, I'm not going to miss the whole context of everything. You know, we can kind of catch up if we will, but we can do the best that we can to look at what's going on and anticipate what's coming. You know, each Sunday sermon, it's going to be a standalone sermon, if you will. So you're going to be in and out. I'm going to be in and out. We can kind of look at this. Another reason why I think this is good is, is, is focus is on in the spirit. I think we're reminded that, that God truly wants to work in our minds and in our hearts and in our life to produce I don't know about you, but I want to produce fruit. I want to, I want to live my life in such a way that God is honored and glorified. You know, I want to live my life in such a way that, that people can see that maybe there's something different and unique about my life and the way that I'm living. You know, this is talking about fruit in the Spirit. And, and finally, I think the last reason why this is a, a good series for the summer is this. You know, what we're talking about here is fruit that's produced by the Spirit of God. God is working in our lives in a mighty power in you in a unique way. And, and no doubt we can look at these nine virtues or nine qualities, if you will, and if you read them and study them, don't they kind of remind you of Jesus? Ultimately point you to who Jesus is and what he's done for us as we evaluate these nine qualities, virtues, and, and look at them in light of what Jesus did, in light of the New Testament, in light of the Gospels. Has anyone ever loved? Has anyone ever loved like Jesus loved? Like God loves, like God loves you? Anyone ever loved that way? John chapter 13, Jesus is getting ready to do some extended teaching. He's going to go to the cross, but he's going to do some extended teaching. And John chapter 13, 1, notice what John says about Jesus' love. It says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. Interesting. He doesn't mention the cross, but we know what he's talking about. Leave this world means this. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to, he's going to be crucified in a horrible and brutal, brutal death. But John doesn't focus on this. He says, He's going to leave this world, go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them what? The full extent of his love. Remember what he did? He put a robe on and then he went and washed the disciples' feet. The full extent of, of Jesus' love is being des demonstrated to the disciples in sacrificial service. And after he washes his feet and teaches them, he's going to go to the cross to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin. We see love in who Jesus is in the way that he interacted with people in life. 
But about joy? Did anyone ever bring to us the full extent of joy that the joy that Jesus brought, even in the midst of, of pain and suffering in the face of death, if you will? Hebrews chapter 12, notice what it says this. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Humiliation, exaltation, what brings our redemption. For that joy, the fact that we would be redeemed, that we would have the honor of being able to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and have our sins forgiven is given to us. And for that joy, how it impacts our life, Jesus endured the shame and the scorn of the cross. So when we look at the Galatians chapter 5, and the ultimately looking at Jesus, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy by the name of John Stott. I've mentioned him a couple times. He's a scholar, a, a, a brilliant guy, a pastor, just a wonderful, wonderful teacher, uh, probably uh, well-known in the Christian community. Um, he said this about these virtues. The mere recital of these Christian graces should be enough to make the mouth water and the heart beat faster, for this is a portrait of Jesus Christ. I mean, do we... Do we look at these graces? Do we look at these virtues? And do we look at the life of Jesus and say, wow, I really want to be like that. Maybe there's some areas of my life that I'm falling short. Maybe there's some areas of my life that I need to change. You know, when you came into the sanctuary this morning, we handed this card out to you. And um, the, the, the reason that we handed it out to you is just on one side, it, it has a fructiferous living and then it has a prayer. And it has Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason that I, I, I wanted you to have this and put it in your Bible and take it with you is because Evidently, this is a prayer that John Stott prayed every morning before he got up. When he got up, he prayed this prayer. And I'm like, you know what? If, if, if John Stott can do this, maybe this is a great encouragement for us to, to focus our time and energy in, in being able to look at this and pray for ourselves and pray for each other. What's interesting about this prayer is that people looked at John Stott and said, you know what? There's no doubt this man was different. And maybe the difference in his life and the way that he lived was because of he was focusing on what the Spirit of God can do in him and change him. And so that's why I want to have this. I want you to tuck in your Bible. We'll talk a little bit about that later. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin a series on fructiferous. Fructiferous meaning this. It's, a, it's an old word that means bearing fruit. We want to bear fruit in our lives. I want to bear fruit. Hopefully we all want to bear fruit in our lives. So I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 24, and I'm going to read our text. And as we get there, as we get to the book of Galatians, I want you to rem rem uh, remind you of a couple of things. Paul is writing to some people in Turkey, or in Galatia, in modern-day Turkey. And so what he wants to do is, is Paul has this heart and passion. And there was this conflict with the Jewish people about living according to the law. Am I going to live my life according to the law, according to the rules, according to the regulations of life? Or am I going to live my life in the freedom that the Spirit of God brings out in my life? And that's what he wants. Is this is not about rules. This is not about regulations. This is about the freedom that works inside of our heart and our mind. And Paul is saying, listen, I don't want you to go back to that legalism. I don't want you to go back to the rules. I don't want you to go back to all of that stuff. I want you to live in the freedom and the power that the Spirit of God brings inside of you. That's what he wants us to do. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Listen to the word of the Lord. But, there's going to be a contrast here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step 
with the Spirit. That's the word of the Lord. That's Paul's heart. That's Paul's passion about the way that these people in Galatia would live in response to the Spirit of God living in the Son. That's a great teaching for us, I believe, to begin the summer together. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you for the way that you've changed us. Father, I ask that the, the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, as we sing together, as we reflect on your Word, would create in us a desire to want to emulate you, to be like you, to be imitators of God. So I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Father, thank you for the wonderful cross. Thank you for the way that our lives have been transformed because of our faith and our trust in you. And Lord, we look to you, who you are and what you've done for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So what's interesting is this. If you look at verse 16, you look at verse 25, there's kind of like a uh, a, a pattern, if you will, or there's a beginning and end about life in the spirit. You know, what Paul is going to remind us of this, there's life in the flesh, but because of what Jesus has done for us, there's life also in the spirit. So verse 16 and verse 25 is kind of like surrounded by life in the spirit and what it means for you and I. And what I want to do is there's a, there's a framework here. There's a framework for what it looks like for life in the spirit. And I just want to point out some things, some observations from the text, if you will. First of all, uh, the, the first observation we can make, th- this is about what a believer's life produces. In other words, what God wants to do is, is God wants to produce something in our life. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is in contrast to a life lived by your sinful nature. In contrast to that is life by fruit. My life, our lives are supposed to bear fruit. And you can tell the type of fruit by what's produced. So if I... I hold this up to you very soon. You, you know what this is. This, this came from an apple tree, right? No, it, it, it came from a, a banana, and this came from an apple tree, and this came from grapes. The point is this. So you, you recognize a person by their fruit. You look at the, the video, you see two different people, and you can recognize the fruit. And what, what the Bible says this, and what, what Paul is trying to establish is, your life is going to produce fruit. My life is going to produce fruit. And he wants us to bear fruit. Jesus talked about fruit. John chapter 15, verse 8, notice what it says. This is my Father's glory. Disciples, those of you who are following me, you rough and ready men, those of you that are following, listen to this. This is my Father's glory, that you what? Bear fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. In the spiritual realm, what we want to do, what I want to do, what I hope all of us would like to do, is to bear fruit that honors and glorifies God and ultimately points people to Jesus. And, And what Paul is saying, listen, you recognize a tree by its fruit and what it produces. Jesus even said that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus says you can recognize a false prophet. You can recognize a person by the fruit that they project, they produce. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people put grapes, pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, there's no doubt this is spoken in the context of recognizing a false prophet. But that's what God wants to produce in our life. He wants us to produce good fruit because we are recognized by the fruit that we produce. Jesus and Paul both point this out to us. And I don't know about you. I want to bear good fruit for Jesus 
And I can do that by living in dependence upon the Spirit of God. So we want to produce fruits. Second observation is this, that Paul's speaking of, of fruit being singular. Notice what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's not nine different pieces of fruit. There's one fruit, but it manifests itself in a variety of ways. There's uh, the beauty in the variety of ways. And, and I can't just pick and choose the types of fruit that I want. You know, maybe I'm not a grapefruit or a grape person. And, and I can't just say, well, I'm going to ignore the, the, the grapes over there. I'm going to ignore the patience in my life. No, he's talking about singular. He's talking about all of these virtues, these nine qualities of being a, a part of our life in such a way that it helps us to be a well-rounded kind of person. It's fruit, and we're to bear fruit with all of these variety of virtues, if you will. I can't just pick and choose in my life what I think is good, which is important, and the ones that I want to focus on. Maybe there's a weakness in my life. Maybe there's, maybe there's a lack of patience in my life. Maybe there's something in my life that needs to change. And what the Spirit of God desires to do is to draw my attention to that and shape me, mold me, and transform me, and change me to ultimately I become more like Jesus. So there's a package deal, if you will. There's a beauty in the package deal, if you will. So we want to produce fruit. It's singular fruit because of the beauty, the unity of fruit. Third observation is this. There's the endurance of fruit or the continuity of fruit. Notice what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is, is this in the present tense. In other words, what we're going to continue to do is we're going to continue to produce fruit. Now, there's going to be seasons. We're going to be in season. We're going to be out of season. But we need to continue to produce fruit in our life. We're going to have highs. We're going to have lows. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have challenges. But whatever is going on in our life, what we want to do is we want to be continued to give and bear fruit because God is faithful to help us and to change us and to create us in the image of his son. And he wants us to continue to do that, if you will. I was talking to a, a guy who went to the ball game on uh, Friday night, and uh, there's a guy sitting next to me, and, uh, and he was an Iowa farmer. I'm like, oh, what do you, what, what do you, what do you produce? He says, well, we do, uh, we do corn and soybeans, corn and soybeans. And so we get being talking about the corn and the soybeans. I said, well, um, any other things that you do? No, we only do corn and soybeans, and we know when we're going to do them, we know how we're going to do them, when we're going to do them. But every year, by March 20th, they want to have the corn produced. And after that, there's going to be soybeans. And there's this idea, this continuity, if you will, that they're going to, as Iowa farmers, produce corn and soybeans. And, and I think that's the point here. The fruit of the Spirit is we want to continue to bear fruit in our lives. Does it matter for older or younger? God desires that we bear fruit. And the final observation is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Let me ask you something. Do you ever maybe reflect on your life in a moment of reflection and maybe see maybe you're lacking something? Maybe you're not as patient as you'd like to be. Um, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're overwhelmed at times and maybe joy is not a part of your life. And maybe, you're, maybe you're like this guy, uh, the, the Rick. Uh, I mean, have you ever known people like that? I've known people like that. You, you can't be around them for one or two minutes because they're always saying or being negative or something like that. Are there qualities in your life that you'd like to change? Is there areas that you'd like to work on? Oh, not me. I'm good. You know, Laura said to me in a, in a moment of reflection, you know, they have those conversations with your spouse. She said, Clint, you know, sometimes you can be a little harsh. Well, you know what I did? I yelled at her. I said, I've never been harsh. Of course, I didn't do that. But the reality is I can be harsh at times. I can be impatient. At times, I can be unkind. And I think what the Spirit of God is there for is to remind us that God wants to continue to transform us and to change us ultimately into the image of the Son. And the areas of my weakness, sometimes we think, well, I just need to try a little harder, and I need to work harder, and I need to do, 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 do. 
And what the Bible says is this, this is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. When you put your faith, when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, when you embrace him, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you and transformed you on the inside. You are no longer that old person. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. And you are radically different on the the inside. And what God wants to do is to allow that Spirit of God to unleash itself in our lives so that we can operate under his Spirit, if you will. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Notice what, what Paul writes to the Galatians. Notice what he writes. He says this. Because you are sons, sons and daughters, because you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you are now a part of the family of God. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Do you realize that you are a radically different person before you became a Christian? The Spirit of God lives inside of you, and you are radically different. You have resources to do and to live and to act in a way that the world cannot think or fathom. And it doesn't matter if you're young, and it doesn't matter if you're old, because the Spirit of God is the one who wants to work inside of your life in a mighty and powerful way. So the Spirit of God wants to produce something in our life. It wants to produce beauty. It wants to produce growth. It wants us to produce us living in such a way that Jesus is honored and glorified in our life. So, let's look at the first spiritual component to our lives, love. Let's look at this because God wants us to be people of love. Notice what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, I was thinking about this, and immediately when I was thinking about this, I'm like, oh, the Beatles. Oh, my generation, you, uh, younger people, my generation, the Beatles sing, all you need is love. You know, Taylor Swift, she has a song, um, a love story. Whitney Houston, I, I will always love you. I mean, how many thousands Upon thousands of songs written about love. Almost every song that comes on the radio is some type of love. Why is it? Well, because maybe inside of us, we desire to be loved. And maybe inside of it, ultimately, we want to love other people. And maybe that's the way that God wired us and God created us, that we need love in our life. And we need to be able to exhibit that type of love, if you will. Maybe we need to recognize that deep down inside of us, God has created us to be different because of the Spirit of God living inside of us. So what does Paul mean here when he talks? I think he's talking about the supreme gift of love. 1 Corinthians 13. I can't tell me how many times I've done a, a, a wedding. And even, even people who don't necessarily embrace faith, they want to read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. They want to read a portrait. Even people that were not believers have wanted this. And 1 Corinthians 13 says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the supreme gift that you and I have been given us in the unique person of Jesus Christ. Love is a dominating factor. Let me ask you, what does a child want more than their mom and dad? Probably to be loved, to know that they are loved, to know that they are cared for, to know that if... If difficulties and challenges are going to come, the mommy and the daddy will come and they wrap their arms around them and they'll hold them in kindness and say, listen, I want you to know that I love you with that kind of love. And that's the kind of love that you and I have experienced because of who Jesus has done for us. That he would go to the cross and offer himself as a sacrifice for him. That's what you and I know because of who Jesus is and what God has done for us. Supreme gift of love. Supreme gift of love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. You want to know what love is? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, despite my sinful nature, despite my life before Christ, despite the way that I was living, God says he loved me and he went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice so that I can embrace him and I can live forever with him. That's the kind of love that God loves you and I with. 
If you were here yesterday, you heard a message of love from John. Uh, just before um, Gary had passed away, we don't know exactly what the, what the timing was. Um, John talked about going through a really, really difficult time. It's a really, really hard time in life. Just a bunch of things going on and not sure of what's going on. And Gary, before he passed away, said these words to this sect. He said, John, I want you to know something. I want you to realize that, that God can never love you anymore, and he can never love you any less than what he loves you at this particular And that's the kind of love that you and I have experienced because of who God is. God loves us. He loved us first in spite of my sin, in spite of my sin. God, God loves us with that type of wonder and beauty of love. So if God loves us that way, then what's, then what's my responsibility? What's our responsibility? I, I think what Paul does is he continues to articulate that. Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says this. This is the responsibility, if you have, to love. If we want to live and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize that God loves us, but he also wants us to demonstrate that love. That's what Paul writes. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. The continuing debt to love one another. In spite of our differences, in spite of who we are, in spite of the way that we're wired, God says, listen, the responsibility that you have is the debt that you have to one another is to love each other. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And one of the other commandment there may be are summed up with this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. The basis of love for the church, or the basis of the foundation, if you will, for the church if you, right now is that we love and we demonstrate the very love of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he says, listen, I, I want you to mark this. In the last days, the characteristics of the people living in the last days are going to be two things. They're going to be lovers of self and lovers of money. In contrast to lovers of self and lovers of money, we have people whose lives have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, and we have the responsibility, if you will, to go out and to love people into the kingdom and to demonstrate sacrificial on their behalf looking at them recognizing that they need to see, read, hear about, know, and be confronted with the love of Jesus Christ. If you. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 what love is. If you. Notice what he writes. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Where do you find freedom in Christ? Notice what he says. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as you. Notice he says, sacrifice. Love is not necessarily looking out for myself. It's not looking about my circumstances. I'm not comparing my circumstances to somebody else and, and trying to make myself look better, if you will, by saying my, my problems, my issues, my challenges are, are different than yours. They're harder than yours. It's taking our eyes off of ourselves, putting our eyes and our focus on Jesus and who he is and looking for opportunities and ways to serve other people and to demonstrate the very love of Christ. And any one of us can. Greater love has this than one, uh, than one lay down his life for his friends. You and I are called to lay down our lives, if you will, for those around us. What's the true nature of love? It's sacrifice. It's giving our lives away to other people. The gospel writer John also wrote a letter in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Let me just give you a couple of verses. You want to know what love is? What's the definition of love? Notice what he says here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. You see, the, the quality of love, quality of love says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
take my mind, my heart, my focus off of myself and what I'm going to do is I'm going to place it on and I'm going to look out for ways that I can meet, that I can separate. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's someone that you come in contact with. Is, is there a way that we can serve that other, that, that, that person so we can demonstrate love to another person? That's a hard thing to do sometimes because it involves time. Involves resources, involves sacrifice. I mean, sometimes what I have to do is I have to reorient my life to another person, and that's not convenient to do sometimes. That's what he's talking about here. We have to lay down our lives for other people. Look at verses 17 and 18 in case we didn't get it. John goes on and says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, do not love with words or tongue but with actions and you see how you and I have been given the responsibility because of this supreme act of love, because of who is and what he's done for us. Because of all of that, the wonder and the beauty of God transforming us on the inside by placing the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, that we now have the great privilege of going out and responding to the needs of others in the name for the cause of Christ. Is not Jesus the supreme, the supreme and, and model of love in going to the cross for us and offering himself as a sacrifice for our sin? John, in John chapter 15, verse 12, says this. My command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is the supreme extent to love in a way that demonstrates who he is and demonstrates how we've been radically changed on the inside. So if, if God has given us the supreme example of love in the person of Jesus Christ, if we have this responsibility to live sacrificially to other people, and, and we've seen the wonder and the beauty of love in the person of Jesus. How, how do we, let me see if I can demonstrate that. So I, what I have here is I have some water, and I'm going to pour some water in this, uh, in this glass. I'm going to pour some water in this glass. And so I have two, two uh, packets of Alka-Seltzer. So if I take this packet of Alka-Seltzer, and I take this one, and I put this one here, and I take this packet of Alka-Seltzer, and I place this one here, what you can see is you can see a really, really big difference. Obviously, this one's fizzing, and it's, what's it doing? It's filling the water with the Alka-Seltzer. The whole water is being uh, absorbed by this Alka-Seltzer. And, and this is kind of a picture of what we want to do. What we want to do is we want to unleash the Spirit of God in our life so that, that it's bubbling out of our life. All of these nine different qualities are being a part of it. And what we have to do is we have to unpack, if you will, or let loose the Spirit of God in our life in order to allow this to happen. The Bible says this, that you can quench the Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Which one of these is filled with the Spirit? You can be a Christian. You can have the Spirit of God inside of you. But you cannot live, be but you can be living not in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we want to do and unlocking the Spirit of God in our life. So how do we do that? Three things. Number one is this. Don't fall prey to the sin. You go back and look in, a, in Galatians chapter 5, and he lists what it looks like. There's a contrast here between the Spirit of God and the sinful nature. And he lists a contrast of what that looks like. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will what? Not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Sometimes we desire the wrong things. Sometimes we hang around with the wrong people. Sometimes we do the wrong thing. Sometimes we give ourselves to the sinful nature. And what we need to do is we need to make a break. We need to make a stop. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to make some changes in our life. If you look at the end in verse 20, 
5, it says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit has the idea of, of kind of walking in formation, if you walking in an orderly way. I'm walking in formation. I'm walking in formation to what the Word of God would give us, what the people of God would help me, encourage me to do and be, and living my life dependent upon the Spirit of God in my life. And sometimes we need to make some changes. Sin destroys. Sin destroys. Destroys us on the inside, and it breaks fellowship with God, and it breaks fellowship with others. And what the Spirit of God wants to do, guide us and direct us and lead us and conform us into the image of his son. So, number one, you may need to make some changes. If you're going to places that are not healthy, then you need to stop going there. And if you're doing things that take you down a wrong path, then you need to stop doing those things. And sometimes we need help to be able to do that. Maybe that means having a conversation with someone. Second thing that we need to do is this, to allow ourselves to be the spirit of God bubbling over in our life is this. We need to look to Jesus. We need to look, fix on your problems, on your pain, on your suffering. It doesn't mean that that's not going to be there. It's, it's going to be there. You can't just erase this. But in the midst of all that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus my thoughts, my attention on Jesus and what he would have in my life. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Some of you have memorized this. It says this, be imitators of God, mimic God, therefore as dearly loved children. In other words, I, I, I'm loved. God loves me. He cares for me. And because he loves me, because he cares for me, because he wants to, to transform my life, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to live differently. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Okay, I got it. I got it. Now what do I do? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, as a sacrifice for God. You see what Paul does? Paul brings the cross. Paul brings the sacrificial death of Jesus into the realm of our experiences to remind us, yeah, that's kind of what love looks like, people. So, so I need to sacrifice for my wife. And I need to sacrifice for my children. And I need to sacrifice for those people around me. I need to sacrifice by giving myself away to other people. Romans chapter 5, great verse. Paul says this, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has what? He's poured out his love into our hearts. Why? By the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. God has poured out his spirit inside of us to transform us and to change us in the right way. So sometimes I've got to rethink what I'm doing up here in order to get it here. Since then, you have been raised up with Christ. Set your heart on the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things of God not an earthly thing. For your life is now hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Mind and heart, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Mind and heart set on the things above. The Spirit of God allows us. And the last thing that I hope would help us is this. L listen, there's no magic in this. You don't just put this in your Bible and, you know, put your Bible on your pillow at night and go, Look, I'm going to sleep on this. It's, just gonna, it's not going to come that way. What I wanted this to do is I wanted this to be something in our Bible that we could say, God, I'm going to pray this. I'm just going to tuck this in my Bible as I do my morning devotions. I'm going to pray that, this, that my Heavenly Father would change, that the Spirit of God would transform me on the inside, and that Jesus would allow me to take up my cross. That's, that's why we gave this to you. Galatians chapter 5 is on the other side. And so we ask that you would take this, put it in your Bible, ask maybe a close family member, friend, some areas in my life that I'm, I need to change. I don't want to be a harsh person, man. I do not. 
I don't want to be a harsh person. I don't want to be unkind. I want to be what the Spirit of God would have me to be. And I know you want to be that. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're 5, 10, 15, or 20 years, because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, and we can trust Him for that. I want to close with an illustration. And by the way, this is an illustration from an eight-year-old girl. A man by the name of Mark Buchanan wrote a book, Hidden in Plain Sight, and he gives this illustration about a, a worship leader at their church. And this is what he says. Tracy's one of the worship leaders at our church. One Sunday as she sat at the piano, she talked about difficult weeks she'd been through. It was chaotic, she said, a mess of petty crises on top of a rash of minor accidents, all mixed up in a soup can of crazy business. It had left her worry uh, diffi- uh, it had left her weary and cranky. She got up Sunday to lead worship and felt spent and nothing left to give. However, Tracy's eight-year-old daughter, Brenna, helped her gain a new perspective earlier that morning. When Tracy had walked into the living room, the window was covered with scrawl. Using a crayon, Brenna had scribbled across the picture window, top to bottom, side to side. At first, it seemed like a mess for Tracy to clean up. Then she looked what Brenna had written, and this is what she had written. Is it on there? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A lot of the words were misspelled. And she looked at this, and she thought, this is what my eight-year-old daughter would like me. And then Tracy noticed one more thing that Brenna had written. At the bottom of the window, it said, love one another. But love was spelled this. Love and one was spelled W-O-N. Love one another, not O-N-E-1. And the point the author makes is this, that, that that love was won by who? By Jesus on the cross. That love was won for us on the cross. And you and I have access to that type of love through the Spirit of God who resides inside. This gal gained a new perspective of life on the Spirit of God through an eight-year-old girl. So if that eight-year-old girl can model that kind of... So we're going on a journey. Uh, going on a journey. And I hope that you'll join us. It should be fun. You know, we've got a couple more videos from uh, the... the Arthur Brothers, um, listen, don't, don't, be like, don't be like Rick, please. Don't, I, I mean, I, I, just, I, I, I love his character because I don't want to be that. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Father, thank you that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And your desire is to transform us ultimately in the image of Christ. And it's not about doing, it's not about being, it's about recognizing who you are and the power that we have through the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. So Father, let us live, let us walk in the power of the Spirit of God inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.